hi and welcome to Phoenix's Student Hacker's Guide to Linux. My name is Aaron Finnan, but you guys can call me Phoenix. So the aim of this segment is to take you through a Linux-based package that can be used to test your network or system security. As an ethical hacking student at Aperture University in Scotland, and an avid Linux fan, I have the pleasure of working with a number of packages that are functional on a Linux kernel operating system. And the package I would like to talk to you today about is a wireless network scanner and sniffer called Kismet, and how Kismet can be used to scan for wireless networks and devices. The aim of today's Student Hacker's Guide to Linux is to use Kismet coupled with a GPS device and Google Earth for war driving. There is a how-to guide to support this segment. It's going to be made available on both the Linux Basement website and www.thelinuxsociety.org.uk. I do suggest getting a hold of this first, uh, definitely before you start any installation or configuration. I may refer to it from time to time. But both this segment and the how-to guide are for educational uses. You've got to remember, guys, education is our biggest weapon in the war against insecurity. So use this guide with responsibility. Well, I suppose I should start off by telling you a little bit about wall driving. Wall driving is the act of searching for wireless networks by a person in a moving vehicle using a Wi-Fi enabled computer such as a laptop or PDA. It's sort of similar to using the radio scanner or the amateur radio practice of DXing. There is a point that I would like to make clear. Certainly within the UK, it's not illegal to do any war driving. However, I can't say the same for your part of the world. In this war driving guide, we never actually connect to any of the networks that you discover. And ethically and morally, I tend to agree with it. It's certainly not legal to connect to someone else's network without their permission in UK. And I would imagine in most parts of the world, it's pretty much the same there too. If it's not your network, you haven't been invited, then you don't have any place on it. I don't condone it. If you do it and get yourself into trouble, I'm not going to have any sympathy for you. Sorry for the kind of government health warning, but I wanted to make it clear that I don't want you to use this guide for breaking the law. Well guys, the idea behind this guide is that we run Kismet with a GPS device, and then with that set up we can go and detect secured and unsecured wireless networks and plot their position anywhere on the planet. Then you can either hop into your car, jump on a bike, or have a walk with this setup around an area, and then those results are stored into a database, which we will later use to plot your findings. We can get those findings, and we're going to insert them onto Google Earth. goes without saying that a laptop's required for war driving. However, you could use a PDA, but for the sake of this tutorial, we're going to use a laptop. It also goes without saying, guys, while you're driving, keep your eyes on the road, not on the laptop screen. We're not going to be responsible for anyone having any accidents. Even if you don't, you, even if you don't have a laptop, and you're not going to go and do a war drive, I'd seriously suggest installing Kismet. It's a fantastic tool for checking your wireless network, uh, making sure that devices that are connected to your wireless network are known to you. Also, if you have a lot of Wi-Fi problems, it's also worth running Kismet to see if you're having conflicts with other wireless networks in your area. Well, moving on to the main topic of this guide. So what is Kismet? Well, apart from it being a, uh, an Indian word meaning fate or luck, it also happens to be a wireless scanning tool. Kismet describes itself as an 802.11 Layer 2 Wireless Network Detector, Sniffer and Intrusion Detection System. Kismet will work with any wireless card which supports raw monitoring mode and can sniff out 802.11b, 802.11a and 802.11g traffic. Well, simply put, what this means is that Kismet's a tool for manipulating the function of your wireless card and puts it into what's known as promiscuous mode. This is also sometimes described as raw monitoring mode, or RFMON, R-F-M-O-N. I suppose the next thing I should really talk about is active and passive scanning. And one of the really cool things about Kismet, is, and it's really known for this, is that it's a passive scanner. 
Now I really can't talk about passive scanning without really touching active scanning and one of the most well-known active scanners that I can think of is NetStumbler. Uh, NetStumbler works by broadcasting a request for any access point to respond to it. This is known as an any request. Now the any part of that request is spelled in capitals. Basically what happens is the AP responds to this any request telling the inquirer the name of the network that's responded and thus by doing this it maps uh, that AP's, uh, APs there. Now a countermeasure to this would be to tell your AP not to respond to any requests and only respond to requests with its network's name. This is known as cloaked or hidden wireless networks. However, Kismet doesn't work like this um, and this is where the power of Kismet really lies. Kismet makes your card in on what could be best described as a listening post, a great big ear that's listening out for everything. Then it takes that information, dissects it, and from there it finds the results. By doing this, it's able to decloak hidden APs and also detect other wireless devices, such as other wireless cards. Wireless devices send out a constant beacon when they're active. Kismet will see this and then report that it's found a device program for a network or an AP. It takes that packet that's been sent out, looks inside that packet, and from there it can find out a lot of information about that device, such as the MAC address of the device or if it's connected to a network. The MAC address is needed in a probe or a connection so that any device that receives that probe can respond back. Try to think of this as an IMEI number of a mobile phone handset, an absolute address. You can change your SIM card, you can change the carrier, but you're not going to change the IMEI of the handset. If a mobile phone operator wanted to send an update, rather than picking out a single mobile phone telephone number to send it to, they would send it to their handset, they would send it to its IMEI fingerprint, its absolute physical address. As with a MAC address, this number should never be changed, it's a physical identifier for that device. However, there is a few packages that can be used to spoof MAC addresses. Well, with Kismet, you can run a test and see what wireless networks are open or closed in your office infrastructure. Like all defensive tools, this can be used by a hacker for illicit purposes. With Kismet, you could sit outside a wireless network, never connect to it, and then intercept and sniff all the MAC addresses that are connected to that, that wireless network. If the only security that you employ on your wireless network is MAC address filtering, then you bypass that ring of security. MAC address filtering is when an AP allows connection to network depending on the MAC address of the device that's requesting that connection. Most common home wireless routers have this facility and a number of organizations use MAC address filtering as well. There are some requirements for your wireless card to use Kismet, but the reason it's more of a Linux tool than a Windows tool is more to do with the way that Windows OS interacts with its hardware via its wireless drivers. If you use NDIS wrapper to, to, to get your wireless card to work, then unfortunately Kismet's not going to run for you. For, for most wireless cards in laptops seem to be supported. I can tell you from personal experience that the IPW or the Intel Pro wireless cards are supported. Um, what to do, go to www.kismetwireless.net and look for the documentation section to see if your card is supported. Another package that I want to touch on here is a program called GPS Drive. GPS Drive is a navigation system that uses data from GPS devices and plots it on a map. I'm not going to go into much detail about GPS. GPS stands for a Global Positioning System and it's a technology, its purpose is to pinpoint your position on the world. It uses a number of satellites to plot an X and a Y placement. GPS Drive works pretty much hand in hand with Kismet and is incredibly easy for Kismet to use. 
Now for the purpose of this guide I'm going to use Ubuntu 7.10 and a pretty standard laptop. The good news installing Kismet on Ubuntu is pretty easy and can be done simply by opening up a command line terminal and using the following command sudo aptitude install kismet or by searching the synaptic package manager. Kismet is a very popular package indeed and I imagine most package managers and most distributions will have a copy of it in its repositories. However, the source code is available and it can be downloaded from www.kismetwireless.net and compiled from source. But for ease of use, I've used the pre-compiled binaries available in the Ubuntu, Ubuntu uh, repositories. Kismet is also available in the standard Debian repositories as well for anyone that's using a Debian system. Uh, the guide should be pretty much similar. There's a little bit of configuration that needs to be done with Kismet, however it's pretty simple it's only going to take a couple of minutes. Once Kismet's installed, you need to edit the kismet.conf file, which in Ubuntu and in Debian can be found in the forward slash etsy forward slash kismet folder. Now we need to find the wireless capture source which is going to support your wireless card in Kismet. If you haven't already done so, go and visit www.kismetwireless.net forward slash documentation dot shtml and scroll down to section 12. There is a package that I think is installed by default on Ubuntu, but it isn't actually on Debian called LSHW and it's job to list hardware. Uh, the good news it is available in the Debian repositories and it's also available in the Fedora ones as well. Uh, if it's not, just have a quick look around for it. The reason I say this is you might know what the driver for your wireless card is. If that's the case, you know, this pa this package isn't such an important part and you can stick you you can skip this step. But there is a lot of people where their lap, where the hardware is supported by out of the box out of Linux, and maybe you don't know how your wireless card or what the driver is. You can download this package. We run this program, um, and what that does is that lists the hardware for your wireless devices. I did this by issuing the following command: sudo lshw space dash capital C space network. And what this will do? This will list all the network devices and, and the drivers that are using them. Um, so in my case I, I issued sudo lshw space dash capital C space network. From here that I found my wireless card was using the IPW3945 driver and then visited the documentation part of the Kismet website, scrolled down to section 12 and found that IPW3945 was supported. Now in my case there was a couple of choices but I just went for a choice that was similar to my driver name. The next step would be to go and configure the kismet.conf file. I've used gedit uh, to work on the kismet.conf file, but like I say, you can use any text editor that, that you feel comfortable with. So in the terminal, I put in the following command, sudo gedit space forward slash etsy forward slash kismet forward slash kismet.conf. That would have been sudo gedit forward slash etsy forward slash kismet forward slash kismet.conf. And then I located the part of the file that said suid user equals your user here and replaced it with my username. Do not put the root username in here. Kismet starts with super user privileges and then drops back into normal user privileges. So in my case I changed it so it read suid user equals Aaron. Then we need to set the capture source. I look for the line that reads source equals non comma non comma add me. Now the layout of this line is source equals interface comma capture source comma and you can ignore the admin part. So when I edit the file with the interface I put an eth1 but this may be different in your case. Um, for whatever reason if you issue an ifconfig 
This will tell you what your wireless uh, your wireless device is. The source for me was IPW3945, and I left the IP bit. So my line read source equals eth1 comma IPW3945 comma admin. Then I look for the part of the the device that says the part of the config file that says do we have GPS, uh, and then look for the the line that says GPS equals false. Uh, we need to change this to read GPS equals true, and save and exit the file. To test the configuration of Kismet, uh, issue the following command into a terminal, sudo kismet. Now I warn you that if you are connected to your network via wireless, you're going to first need to disconnect. Um, you can do this by, with the no network manager it's pretty easy, you can click, right click on it and say, uh, deselect wireless. Um, either that or you could issue sudo ifconfig, whatever your device is, down. Now step two would be to install GPS to drive. It's pretty popular package and is available in both the standard Ubuntu and Debian repositories. However, if you're using a different distribution to this, then check your package manager or download a source code and compile it from source. The web address for GPS drive is www.gpsdrive.de. To install GPS drive, issue the following command into the terminal, sudo aptitude install GPS drive. Once that's done, we need to configure GPS drive to work with the GPS device. I've used a Bluetooth GPS device. I wouldn't suggest using something like that, um, not unless it's the only thing that you had to hand, which was the case here. It adds uh, another layer of technology between you and your system and the desired results that you want. Uh, I'll quickly run through how I got the Bluetooth dongle to communicate with the GPS drive. Uh, but, like I say, it's not what I would recommend. If you have a device that plugs directly into your system, then this is what I'd go I'd far go by. Um, if this device works for you, then brilliant. If not, best thing for you to do is have a quick Google about and find out how to make your GPS device work. Uh, I installed a couple of Bluetooth packages uh, which are in the standard Ubuntu repository. Um, I don't know about other distributions you'll have to have a search about. sudo aptitude install bluez-pin bluez U-T-I-L-S. Once they were installed, I then needed to edit the Bluetooth HCID.com file, uh, which I did by issuing the following command into a terminal. sudo gedit forward slash etsy forward slash bluetooth forward slash hcid.conf. Uh, when that file opened, I replaced it with a config file. Uh, I'm going to make that config file available within the how-to guide. Uh, I once, I then went and restarted the Bluetooth daemon by issuing the following command into a terminal. sudo forward slash etsy forward slash init dot d forward slash bluetooth space restart. When this was done I used the Bluetooth dongle to scan for a Bluetooth device in its area by f issuing the following command into the terminal. hci tool space scan. This listed Bluetooth enabled devices that were running range. So I got a result back like 00116780 which was the MAC address of the Bluetooth enabled GPS device. I then took this MAC address of the GPS device and then I'm going to make a serial connection between the Bluetooth dongle and the GPS device. I took the MAC address of the, of the device uh, and I used a package called SDP tool. I issued the following command into the terminal SDP tool browse 
0.67805801. And in the results I got back, I found the channel that I was looking for. In my case, it was channel 1. And I needed to make a file uh, called rfcom.conf. That's rfcomm.conf in the forward slash etsy forward slash bluetooth folder by issuing the following command. Uh, I have made a sample copy of that config file which will also be available in the how to guide. Anyway, the command was sudo gedit forward slash etsy forward slash bluetooth forward slash rfcom.conf and I added the contents of the, uh, the file that I've made available in the how to guide. So the next thing to do is start the GPS device um, and issue the following command in the terminal rfcom connect 4. If for some reason you get an error message like can't create rfcom tty address already used then issue the following command into a terminal sudo rfcom release 4 and repeat the rfcom connect 4 command again. Once this has been done you need to run the gpsd which is a daemon for gps devices. It should have been installed by default when we installed gps drive but if it isn't it's installed by the following command sudo aptitude install gpsd. Once this is done uh, you need to tell uh, the GPSD where it can find the GPS device. This is done by issuing the following command into a terminal sudo gpsd forward slash dev forward slash rfcom4. Once this is done, you can check the GPS device to see that it's working properly by issuing the following command into a terminal xgps. The next thing we want to do is set up a MySQL database to store the, the results from GPS drive. After you've done that, um, then we're nearly ready. Once your war drive is done, then we can extract the data and plot it against Google Earth. So firstly, we need to install MySQL. I've done this by installing it through the Ubuntu repositories. However, check your distribution for documentation on how to install MySQL. I've installed a MySQL client version 5 and server version 5, although I don't think it makes much of a difference. For the purpose of this how-to guide, I've gone for those packages. Uh, there is also a Python interface to MySQL data to MySQL that you also need. Uh, you're about to install it in this command as well. Uh, sudo aptitude install space MySQL dash client dash 5.0 space MySQL dash server dash 5.0 space Python dash MySQL L uh, MySQL DB. That was Python dash MySQL DB. Once this has been done, you'll need to connect to the MySQL server and configure a database for the wireless results to go into. Now, during the installation of MySQL server, you should have been asked for a root password. Uh, if you did set one up, uh, you'll need to pass the dash "-p option on uh, in the following command. If you haven't, then just ignore that part. The command is mysql space dash u space root space dash p space the less than sign space forward slash usr forward slash share forward slash gps drive forward slash curate dot sql c r e a t e dot sql then you need to load gps drive up uh, and tick the box on the left hand side that says use sql uh, now make sure that gps drive is using gps device uh, that you've set up uh, you can do that by going in and clicking the preference box selecting settings to and just confirming that the gps drive is looking at the correct gpi uh, gps device location in my case that was uh, forward slash def forward slash rfcom4 uh, but it might be forward slash def forward slash tty usb uh, you can close gps drive down 
Now if you load Kismet up again, what you'll notice in the, uh, at the bottom of the page is the latitude and longitude of your position. Uh, that's just right above the status bar at the bottom of the screen. Um, well, that's kind of all the hard work done. Um, now if you were to load GPS Drive up again, uh, what you would notice is that on the map, any EP points that you detected in Kismet will show up on the GPS Drive map. Um, so that's your rig set up uh, and now what you need to do is basically go and get some data um, so like I said before hop into the car have a drive about um, and go and find some AP points um, once I get back and you, you, you're ready to, to do the next part what we have to do is extract the data from the SQL database um, and then convert that data um, so that Google Earth can read it uh, so one of the things that will probably be a good idea to do now would be to install Google Earth. Um, now this is, to be honest with you, quite simple. Uh, just go to the website www.earth.google.com forward slash download dash earth dot html. Or you could check to see if your package, man uh, your package manager has it. Mine does, but that's because I had the Google Ubuntu slash Debian repository set up already in there. Um, but once you have installed Google Earth, then you can look at extracting the data from the MySQL database into a .kml format, which is the format that Google Earth um, supports. There is a script that I use to do this, uh, and to be honest with you, that would be my suggestion. You could later on, if you wanted to get more data, you could look at that script and see how much data you're pulling out. Um, but you would also probably have to look at constructing a little bit more of a complicated database um, for GPS drive and, and Kismet itself to download data into. Um, but anyway, I mean, that, that's for you to have a look at later on. Kind of went further, further. If this interests you, then you can kind of go deeper into it. Um, so, the script that I'm going to use is a script that's called GPS drive to Google Earth.py. Um, so, you can go and, you can go and download a copy of it from www.thelinuxsociety.org.uk forward slash content forward slash copy of GPS drive dot Google Earth dot uh, Google Earth PY. Uh, I'll read that address again. That's thelinuxsociety.org.uk forward slash content forward slash copy dash of dash GPS drive to Google Earth PY. Now what to do is just cut and paste um, that page is content um, and then copy that into a new file um, the new file will load up by issuing the following command sudo gedit gps drive to google earth.py copy the contents of that web page into that file save it um, and then what we need to do is make it executable um, so sudo change mod space plus x space GPS drive to Google Earth.py. Uh, then the next thing to do is move it to where the database is stored. Um, now, if you're unsure of where the database is stored, it's normally stored in forward slash var, forward slash lib, forward slash MySQL. Certainly isn't Ubuntu and Debian. Um, however, what you could do is you could run the update db command, uh, which would be sudo update db, uh, and then locate geoinfo, which is the name of the database. Um, so what I did then, uh, I moved the GPS drive googleearth.py file to where the database was stored by doing a sudo mv space gps drive to googleearth.py space forward slash var 
forward slash lib forward slash mysql. Uh, once that file had been transferred, then what I did is run the script. I did that by issuing sudo python gps to googleearth.py. Uh, once that's been done, uh, you should see a file left called ap.kml. Um, that's the file that we need for Google Earth to plot our results onto. Um, so sudo mvap.kml space forward slash home forward slash user forward slash desktop. Um, replace the user obviously with your name. So in my case it was a home slash iron slash desktop. Um, once there we need to load up Google Earth and then from there we can open ap.xml file and see where you went on your war drive and the results are plotted. Well guys, that brings us to the end of Phoenix Student Hacker's Guide to Linux for this week. Uh, I'm going to close by saying a couple of things. Um, now I have said that this guide is for educational purposes only and it's not meant for you to go around and map where you can get free internet access for. I'm very serious when I say education is the biggest weapon we have in the war against insecurity. By showing people how easy it is for us to go and find this information out, by, and we're not even interacting with a wireless network, we're just listening to it. Um, we can show people that you need to think about wireless security, it is an important thing. You could have people stealing bandwidth from you. You could have a hacker sit outside a wireless network and hack someone else from your IP address. So like I say, just use the guide with responsibility. They're very interesting results, but remember not to break not to break the law with it. I'd like to thank you guys for bearing with me. This is my first time that I've done anything like this. Uh, if I'm umming and erring a lot and I stumble a bit, please forgive me. I would just like to say, remember, you wouldn't leave the front door to your house wide open, so please don't leave the front door to your network wide open. This has been Aaron Finnan, Phoenix's Student Hacker's Guide to Linux. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.